So after an unplanned two-week break, the wait is over, ladies and gentlemen. Football Unfocused is back and welcome. Your lives now have meaning again. You don't, you know, <laughs> take, t- put the handbrake on, get off the edge of that cliff. It's not that bad. We're back. We're back. <laughs> Matthew. Those 10 people. I'm can... Mark, by the way. That, that's... That, that's, that's Matthew there uh, yeah. laughing. We, we host this shit. <laughs> we, we, we mostly do it every week. But we had, a, we had a week off for Easter and then I can't remember what the reason was last week. Like, couldn't be asked or something, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, you were, you've been busy going football and, and well, Matthew, and, yeah. and then there was one um, there was one day where I said where we were really struggling to find a time, and I said, well, we could record it at seven in the morning, and you just messaged me and said, fuck that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what kind of an idiotic suggestion was that? Um, I'm not getting out of bed before seven o'clock for this shite. Yeah. Um, I did, I did have some sympathy. No, well, that's it. And I did have some sympathy thinking you do have to produce the content primarily for the podcast. Yeah, to be so, in this um, frame of mind to have this sort I mean, of I, I effectively chat. just have to press record. Yeah. And then, and then and just try and look engaged. Just what- <laughs> sound engaged. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I feel incredibly lucky, Matthew, because uh, since that we last recorded this podcast, I've been to five uh, very high quality football matches and, uh, it's not often you get a spell in a season where there's that intensity of um, uh, of, of matches in the space of two weeks. Uh, an FA Cup semi-final at Wembley, which was uh, which was brilliant, and uh, two home league games against. Um, I mean, thankfully we had, we had really we we got to play some really um, sort of you know some of the lesser teams to really help us get points at this stage of the season um, where we get dished out some spankings like some of the it was, I think it was Manchester United or something and uh, Everton um, yeah I mean rivalries but but just sort of weak also rounds really sort of embarrassment embarrassing uh, teams um, that are shadows of their former selves so that's that was quite nice and then two uh, high level Champions League matches against Benfica and then on uh, Wednesday night of this week against uh, Villarreal which has put mm. Liverpool in a very strong position to uh, to make the final, but no no chickens are being counted here, Matthew. Well, it would have been interesting if you'd have done quite badly. Whether there would have been a big backlash against the scheduling, and I mean, obviously you've, yeah, you've well, had a you've had an intense you know gluttony of good results in a very yeah. very short amount of time, whereas yeah. if it was the opposite, yeah, I'm indeed. Sure you... Well, even the, the the draw against Man City, which I think we recorded last podcast just before that um, and that was an unbelievably high quality match um, but the draw we got there kind of felt quite disappointing at the time because like right the only way that we're going to nudge ahead of them and give ourselves the advantage is to win um, but you look at the way that game panned out and you think okay that's not a bad result it is still in Man, Man City's hands I would still rather have their fixtures than than ours I mean I'm, I'm concerned by the time this podcast goes out tomorrow morning um, we will either Saturday. be yeah, yeah, so Saturday, so we're recording this on Friday, we don't normally do it this late in the week, but it's good for, for, the, for the purposes of getting all this, this content in. And uh, uh, we'll have, we kick off at half past 12 against Newcastle. Newcastle are all out of nowhere. They're looking like they're going to finish in the top half of the table and uh, won, I think, six home games consecutively. Now, admittedly, they haven't played um, any particularly um, top sides, but still, their confidence is on a high, they're on a roll. Mm. 
So that's a concerning fixture. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting point, actually, whether people would kind of have a go at the scheduling. But then what can you do at this time of year? If you don't get knocked out of anything and you have to keep rescheduling league games for domestic cup finals, then uh, mm. that you're going to have to play if a lot you're of win the If you're going to win the quadruple, yeah, there's, there's well, exactly. no way around it. <laughs> I don't think we're going to win the quadruple, uh, Matthew. Uh, but as I said the other no. day, even if now we lost every game for the rest of the season, it's still an amazing season that um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know some clubs uh, could only dream of. Um, I mean, I mean, there's one club I can't remember the name. We beat them nine nil on aggregate across two league games this season, and I think I heard a rumor they used to be quite good, but they're certainly not now. Just for the purposes of the sake, <laughs> they are awful. Um, Matthew, I don't just... know if we've got many Man U supporters who listen to this oh. podcast, but. Uh, hope, hopefully not and any that are there you are you are not welcome um, uh, no obviously obviously you are I mean because you know everyone needs a shoulder to cry on and uh, we're here for you um, uh, Matthew I'm going to just uh, just before we crack on with this uh, it's actually nice we naturally started talking about football there without needing it to be sort of shoehorned in but I am but I, it's almost like having a, foot, a conversation with a normal person about football. Um, but I will persist in the knowledge, uh, the, the quest for knowledge about you as an individual that has been going for a long time now. Matthew, uh, what is your favourite park? <laughs> Whenever you ask me these kind of geographically based questions, I just think, What's the part that I used to live closest to? Yeah, and just so probably that. like Rayfield's. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather you it. just rather than <laughs> your brain working in that way. I'd rather you just popped up with a fond memory about a part that you find aesthetically pleasing, or you particularly enjoyed visiting, or you know, meant a lot to you that you've exercised in, or had a profound moment with a friend or family member or a partner. But no, your instinct is just to start thinking. Okay, what was my postcode where I grew up, and what's the nearest? <laughs> Parts of that. All right, there's a there's a green round a corner there in the, in the middle of a cul-de-sac that the dog used to shit on. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, I um, there, yeah, there was a cricket ground actually quite close to where we. Mm. I can't remember what it's called Giddy Park Cricket Ground, maybe. Yeah, I don't it know. It probably was something as a man. Um, yeah, that that. I mean, I used to take the dog round there. So that's your favourite park. Oh no, I. Uh, no, genuinely, probably something like um, like Bushy Park, I think, in London. Yeah. Where the deer are, where yeah. the deer live. I've never actually been there. I know oh, Richmond, really? Richmond Park have the Richmond. deer. No, but yeah, but yeah, Bushy, because yeah. Bushy, is Bushy Park in Bushy? Because Bushy's in Hertfordshire, isn't it? North of, but if there is a... Oh, but there is somewhere, there is somewhere close called Bushy Park yeah. in London. Yeah. Um, but I'm always a bit paranoid what can you get from deer like tick some sort of Lyme disease is it nice so Which, so i try not to get too close to the stags brilliant and, and to also they may positive made... question into a negative <laughs> morbid fear of Lyme disease excellent <laughs> good uh, i'm gonna we're gonna stop talking about that now because we're going nowhere with that uh, <laughs> matt hugh uh what is your favorite <laughs> item of furniture that you own personally and before you oh. give a bizarre answer, um, like I'm to say my give kitchen a, cupboard, an item of furniture really is anything from a you know a chair, a stool, a sofa, a bed, uh, a, a chaise lounge. Could be anything. Uh, and I suppose technically yeah, even your toilet think, is an item of furniture. Well, I guess. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. I think um, 
Well, I do. You know, I do do quite a bit of washing, so I guess it's probably the clothes horse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like literally. It's outside. I've, I've filled oh. it up. Enjoy. I've enjoyed Stop. filling it up. You had an uh, opportunity to talk about how much you love your comfy bed. I do like a bed. Sofa. I do love my bed. But, oh no. Oh no, not my favourite <laughs> chair or anything like that, you know, where I have my dinner or any, no, no, no nothing. A cupboard <laughs> or, you know, a, a pleasing sideboard. No, you, your clothes horse, which I'm assuming is made of kind of like metal, painted metal that you unfold yeah. into yeah. Uh, uh, this the usual shape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's your the... favourite piece of furniture. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I would do. I'd use it twice a day effectively every day and mm. and i don't know where else i'd put my clothes otherwise and i use a knife and fork twice a day but that's not my favorite uh, <laughs> thing in the house is it fruit, 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 yeah. so frequency of use equals favorite in your world um uh what yes what's your criteria what you enjoy no yeah. I, we're not talking about me matthew we're talking about you yeah. i'm just i'm just uh, digging into you yeah, I mean, I guess I'm quite shallow in that respect. You know, what's my... Yeah. If I use something the most, is that my favourite? Yes. Is it? it is. Is, it, <laughs> is it a suggestion of shallowness or is it just the fact that it's the first thing that comes into your mind when you're, when you're asked just, these questions? Just I just wanted to get through it, it as quickly, just yeah. as, quickly as possible. Matthew, final question. What's your view on uh, flashing your genitals to achieve your stated aims or to distract your enemies? How do you feel about that as Where a did you get... Where did you get... Is this a question you've heard before? No, I'm, something else? I'm... As a result of current affairs, I'm being topical and satirical, Matthew. Oh! Yeah, but again, you're what? just not, you're not he, sort of kept yeah, up with the no. news. Yeah, no, what? He's, he's I'm going to ask the question again, Matthew. It's a simple question. What's your oh. view on using flashing of genitals as a tactic to achieve your stated aims or to distract your enemies. Do you have a, do you have a view on that? Is it a tactic um, that you've used? used? Do you often flop uh, out the old I chat mean, to sort of put off when, in, you know, yeah, ticket in my, inspectors? In, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you know, to make up... I may I may not have a round card, but... I've got this. Oh, get get a load... <laughs> yeah, look at that. Um, I used to. Used to oh, I don't know why. Cross and cross your legs. Yeah. <laughs> oh right. Oh yes, thank you. Okay, thank you. I know. I know. Um, yeah, I used to go through. It was a, a phase of my life that I'm not proud of at all. When I was at uni, and I used to get. You are, you are mere weeks away from the Operation U Tree knock at the door. You're oh. next on the fucking list. <laughs> And quite rightly so. If they ask for a character reference from me, I won't be giving you one. Well, I yeah, will, maybe and it'll be negative. It'll be like, I, I always thought cut, he was that sort of guy. I might cut all this out. Absolutely just not. Just You won't. I'm going to keep referring back to it now you've told me that you might do that. It might get my job in trouble. It will not get your job in trouble, you idiots. Um, you don't even know who you are. Anyway, you're, you're admitting that you did something harmless. Hi, student hijinks. Well, I'm glad that here ended the questions. Thanks for that, Matthew. So we've learned... Uh, that you, uh, your favourite park is basically somewhere that's close to you, or a or, <laughs> or bushy park. Uh, you, your favourite item of clothing is your clothes horse. No, not clothing. Sorry, no. item of uh, furniture is your. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that would be ridiculous if your favourite item of clothing was your clothes horse. And your uh, view on 
I mean, I asked you what your view was on flashing your genitals. Oh, and, your, um, and you just went into an anecdote about... So I guess a distraction. Yeah, distraction. Probably. Yeah. No, I didn't ask whether what? it was a distraction. Oh. I asked, what do you think of it as a tactic? But you're not going to answer that question. <laughs> so we're just going to move on. I'm, I will ask, just just, just briefly, uh, Matthew, you, you tantalised us uh, two or three weeks ago for, in the last podcast that despite the fact that your bollocks really did appear to be going nowhere, um, that you might have a further, you know, literally and metaphorically, you might have an update um, after some sort of hospital appointment. Has there been any movement yes. in the ball, ball, ball sack area? The ballpark area. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I think, hopefully, I think I could really draw a line under it now because I was milking it for, mm. for uh, La- you know... Laughing there at the suggestion of your balls being milked once again. Same joke. Different date. Uh, yes, I had a um, you know like a, a ultrasound, which is the same as obviously what they give to pregnant women. I was actually when I was waiting for my ultrasound, I was sat amongst pregnant women. Yeah, and um, and your your problems are very similar. <laughs> yeah, very similar. They, they, I did. I was I was like you know looking and nodding. You were looking and at them thinking yeah. you don't know how easy you have it. Yeah. <laughs> And um, but yes, he was he was very um, uh, considerate doctor, tender uh, doctor. Um, But he assured me that he didn't think there was anything to worry about. Good. Oh, that's a shame. So that ends the ball sack scenario. We're going to have to think of something else that's going to give you shooting pains in which you can update our uh, our rabid listeners on a weekly basis. Uh, Right, Matt, you. Do you have anything football-related that you've noticed over the last uh, couple of weeks? Or shall I just start banging on about general observations? Our defenders defenders getting worse. What makes you ask that, Matthew? (laughs) Because I said that before we started recording, and you thought that was a good question. And I said, that's exactly the sort of uh, question. (laughs) uh, uh, And, yeah, but why are you asking that? Oh, okay, so there was a... There was... Well, there was the... 4-3? 4-3? Yes, 4-3 Man City, Real result. Yeah. Four, Just to confirm, four you know, what, Real, what, what Real, Real was Madrid. Well, well done, showing off. Je, je, uh, in the Champions League semi-final. 4-0 um, uh, Liverpool menu. I mean, that's probably not necessarily... I guess that's just the a idea that... class, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a different, slightly different. Um, oh, I can't think of any other results that might support such a hypothesis are you suggesting that because I, i'm not sure quality teams are are they over are they not over prioritizing their attacking but are they is there a greater emphasis on the attack i do think than... that in there there is there is a, an interesting uh, question i mean it might not necessarily <laughs> have been the one you asked but in there in there there, there is one because <laughs> Just like I always bang on about how football is cyclical and, you know, no club dominates forever and, you know, you have to uh, just accept that as as part of the, you know, the, the way that things develop in any team sport, really. Um, tactics are kind of like that as well. And you get, football goes through trends. And I think at the moment, um, certainly probably in the last... 10 years, maybe more, I don't know. Um, but it really does feel like the, the the kind of evolution of football tactics towards the priority around attacking and creativity 
and you know, kind of creating space and getting in behind the defensive lines and stuff, has taken priority over um, over kind of forming a solid defensive unit. But you don't have to go back much further to kind of the you know when you think about like the early to mid two thousands um, when um, you know I think about like. Champions League finals around that time. I remember like Milan and Juventus seeing out like probably the dullest Champions League final of all time, a nil-nil draw, nil-nil next time, went to penalties. You know, and you'd often get... And then obviously the Mourinho uh, kind of mentality in the era at, at Chelsea was built around kind of solid defending. Yes, they scored a lot of goals. Yes, they used to, um, uh, you know, annihilate some teams. But ultimately... When push came to shove, they would back themselves to to not concede. They, I think, they won the title in two thousand and five and only let in about fifteen or sixteen goals or something ludicrous like that. So you do you do get spells and you do get trends, and I think at the moment that there's um, you know football is um, as concerned, I suppose, with any other as any other sport with its um, popularity and its its kind of appeal to the 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 Instagram generation, for want of a better phrase, who want kind of everything to be flashy and exciting and quick fixes. And I think if, you know, maybe people would be, would be a little bit turned off if they they were just watching a succession of kind of turgid, cagey Champions League games. Um, but I, I don't personally think that because a first leg of a Champions League semi-final ends up 4-3 between two high-quality teams, that that suggests the defending has got worse. I think it shows that... Um, Maybe the attacking has got better because at the moment some of the best defenders um, in living memory are playing football. Well, Virgil Van Dijk is anyway, um, but you know Man City have got uh, uh, Diaz. You know, so there are some there are some top top quality uh, defenders out there. I suppose maybe the the real kind of like what you maybe you'd always historically go back to Italy for like. That's what a central defender. That's how you defend as a team. That's a central defender. You know, Franco Baresi, Costa Curta, Nesta, um, and then obviously Maldini is a left back, or even he could also play centre back as well. So, like, there maybe aren't that the sort of proliferation of great central defenders. Although um, um, people like um, uh, Chiellini and Bonucci at Juve, I suppose, are are not that dissimilar. And you showed last summer. Look, you know, we we were doing those episodes all through the Euros, and what was Italy's success based upon? You know, they were not laying in uh, many goals. They kind of started quite expressively, and then start in, and then once the knockout games um, um, came round, they were kind of reverting to type to a certain extent, needing to just like you know see out these games, and they could do that with their with their um, uh, high quality defenders. So, um, no, my my short answer would be no. I don't think the defenders are getting worse, but but I do. I am, however, staggered by the frequency of um, examples of just shambolically bad defending and like decision making in an era in which the players are subjected to the, an intensity of training and analysis that they would never have had sort of uh, 30, 40 years ago, or even you know twenty years ago, um, and the kind of repercussions of a bad performance. But yet, you know, the amount of times you see positional errors, you know, giving the ball away in vulnerable positions, which is also as a consequence of trying to build from the back and, uh, and you know, kind of suck in attacking players, then you can kind of break their press and count. Oh, God, I'm sounding like a fucking athletic journalist or something. Using <laughs> like but, um, 
but um, but you do see an, you know an awful lot of that. Um, but I don't think that necessarily means that defenders are worse. In fact, there's, there is probably an argument that they're better because the expectation to be technically proficient and superb and comfortable with the ball at your feet in any part of the pitch under any um, type of pressure, you know, any any scenario, willing to take the ball is um, is greater now than it ever has been. So, um, some you know. I think just it what what has happened is the nature of the defenders has changed. They're, they're more like um, the sort of players. A, a, a classic central defender now is probably more like the sort of player we'd have been playing centre midfield or even on the blooming wing um, back in the nineties um, when uh, you know the criteria for being a sort of run of the mill Premier League central defender was just bulk, um, and they would often be sort of you know slow. So if you had a bit of technique and a bit of pace, you stood out a mile. Um, that's just not the case now. Every, I mean, every player's like an athlete and a ridiculous, um, a ridiculously um, kind of good and impressive physically. But no, no. I mean, I, I, so the Premier. It's just to use the Premier League as an example. The, the, the ridiculous kind of array of attacking talent at a multitude of clubs is is quite frightening, really. And you've got. Um, I mean, for example, last week I was watching uh, Arsenal against Chelsea. Look at the way... In fact, Arsenal are worthy of... Uh, not, not necessarily related to defending, but just to kind of widen this uh, a little bit in terms of what's happened in football over the last few weeks. Because very few clubs have had a... I'm, I'm mild, mildly fascinated by the way Arsenal's season has gone. Because you talk about kind of swings and roundabouts, and they have had the most bizarre season... Oh, in terms of starting really poorly, they got done by Brentford in Brentford's first Premier League game on the. I think it was the first game Premier League game of the season on the Friday night, and they looked completely kind of shocked and ill prepared. And you kind of think, okay, maybe they, get, they had a few injuries, and then I think they got um, comprehensively beaten at home to Chelsea. So uh, and then maybe lost another one. So after two or three games, they were actually bottom, and obviously they were never going to go down, but they were struggling. And you kind of thinking, okay, they had a really unconvincing. Um, spell last season um, after the year before when Arteta had first taken over he kind of changed everything came in won the FA Cup and it looked like they were on the up but they were really quite disappointing in, in kind of 2021 and then this year kind of all over the place and then and then it looks around the autumn time going into winter that wow they've, they've, they've stumbled upon something they've stuck with their manager and fair play and getting it right and they were looking really really uh, progressive I remember being really concerned when they came up to Anfield in November, thinking, "Oh God, we're in for a we're in for a tough one here." And we we sort of battered them. I think it was about four nil. Um, but then they seemed to recover from that quite well, and it didn't really throw them off that much. And they, they had a really good season. And then since we last recorded this, they lost three consecutive games, looking like they got the top four in a the bag. They lost to Brighton, Southampton, and Palace. And you kind of think, right, they're done. And then they go and beat uh, Chelsea away. Um, like a few days later, so it's such a weird season because that that fight for fourth place, which is really for the for most of the season, been between the two North London clubs, West Ham, Manchester United, and Wolves, have had a little dalliance. It looks it looks at times like no one really wants it. I suppose to a certain extent that's a consequence of the fact that they're you know if they were better and more consistent, they wouldn't be the the, the sort of maximum. Um, Achievement wouldn't be to finish fourth; they'd be higher up. So maybe it should be of no surprise. But it is, it is, um, it is. It may, I suppose it makes it interesting. 
um, and quite absorbing to watch. But Arsenal, having kind of blown their easier fixtures, are now in a position where they're winning. Uh, the, the the ones that are on paper are tougher, and it all seems to be boiling down. I think on a I think they're playing each other on a Thursday night, the rearranged match between Tottenham and Arsenal. Um, it could really go down to winner gets in the Champions League, and you know that is important. I mean, Matt, as a Spurs fan, you know you're uh, obviously <laughs> hanging on every result, and I know how passionate you are. But, but like seriously, you look at you look at Spurs and their business model. That stadium would have been built around a time when they were consistently for three or four years getting in the Champions League, and now obviously they've had a couple of years now where they're they're out of it, and they've looked like they're kind of treading water for a while and then Conte comes in and he's definitely given an upturn in performances but they still do get caught out and lose um, just games you wouldn't necessarily expect them to do and I you know I think getting in a, the difference between coming fourth and fifth and being in the Champions League or Europa League can make such a huge difference in terms of the players that you're able to recruit the money that's available to you the kind of, you know just the profile of people who see you as a club on the up and are keener to join um, there are exceptions to that I think there are you get certain size of clubs and much as I deride them Manchester United are are at that level where when you're kind of that big people will, will still take a chance on you because they want to play for you it doesn't go last forever you know if you continue to just look like an absolute shambles then I suppose that will wear off but you know I watched Liverpool throughout the um, 90s in particular being kind of you know Often nowhere near, you know, even challenging for the title, and yet we were still often able to to um, recruit kind of elite players, and that was even true in like some in the around the sort of, um, mid to late uh, what do you call them the the, uh, the first decade of the of the two thousands without calling it the noughties. I, I hate that term, <laughs> but you know what I mean. That that decade, the noughties. Well, in nineteen yeah. hundreds, you'd call it the nine. They used to just call them the 1900s, 1990s. didn't they? They called them the 1900s and then the 1910s, 20s, 30s. So they always refer to that 1900 to 1910 decade as the 1900s, as well as... Oh, right. Because it's not used as a generic term for what the century. About... Oh, right, okay. So when when did they start the 1910s? Yeah, I suppose you're right. Nobody called them the 1910s. No. Well, pe- 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 Nobody I know, anyway. No. <laughs> Well, exactly, and, and and let's face it, we're all often talking about the uh, the nineteen tens. We talk about nothing else. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so that's that's kind of what's what's going on. That, that of the kind of battles towards the end of the season, that is one of the more intriguing ones because it looks like it looks like it is now just a straight shootout between Tottenham and Arsenal. And um, uh, I think West Ham are playing Arsenal this weekend. West Ham have just lost their first leg of their Europa League semi final. Um, and judging by the way that their recent games have gone that have been kind of in between two legs of, of Europa League knockout games, I wouldn't imagine they're going to be pulling up any trees against Arsenal this weekend. So if Tottenham are looking for a favour from West Ham, might be wrong, but I would say quite unlikely to get it this weekend. I think West Ham will be just resting and rotating ahead of a big second leg in Frankfurt uh, next week. And um, yeah, but like, you know, the European football this week has been... Um, has been amazing. Well, it has been amazing, really, hasn't it? And, it, and like, you, it, but not just the Champions League. You look like last night there were a couple of really uh, quite absorbing Europa League semi-finals, and even the much derided Conference League, which has ended up with 
you know, Leicester being in there, but, but also three proper big European football names, Marseille, Feyenoord and Roma. You've got two former Champions League winners there and uh, a European Cup Champions League finalist in 1984 in Roma, as well as Leicester have been a high-achieving Premier League club over the last few years. And people said that Conference League at the start of the season was a, a joke, uh, including myself <laughs> when I was taking a piece out of Tottenham <laughs> for being in it. But actually, you know what? You know, it's it's lovely to be wrong about it because it is genuinely, it has. Be- I think it's become a bit of an unexpected hit because what it's done is it's given the clubs who are not necessarily at their kind in their best state at the moment, but are you know have got um, passionate fan bases and um, you know proper pedigree and history behind them. The opportunity to kind of build something exciting and maybe achieve something in a season where they're not going to win their domestic league and it's it's brilliant you've got like four I mean Leicester are an average size club that have overachieved in the last few years so they're definitely the smallest of the four clubs in that semi-final you've got I mean Roma and Marseille in particular but Feyenoord as well have amazingly partisan passionate fan bases so that's a brilliant uh, last four of you know that that would be a worthy Champions League uh, semi-final uh, lineup. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose, talking about the Champions League, that Real Madrid-Man City second leg is an intriguing prospect, purely from the point of view of, um, like, a a kind of selfish point of view. Uh, I want Real Madrid to win. And the reason for that is not because, uh, I think, should Liverpool reach the final, because we're not in the final yet, but should Liverpool reach the final. It's not because I think that playing Real Madrid will be any easier, because... Playing Real Madrid is never easy, and we got you know they beat us in the final in 2018. It is more on a pure, on a completely pers- um, personal, selfish level. If you're going to go to to Paris for a, for a final, as I did in Madrid a couple of years ago, you don't really want to be playing another English team, watching a match that you see kind of every year. You want to feel like it's you know a European final rather than just a Premier League game played. In a hot place, <laughs> abroad. Yeah, exactly. And whilst it was it was magnificent to beat Tottenham um, in that final, and Tottenham, you know, did incredibly well to get there and fair play to him. But had Ajax beaten Tottenham in that semi final, uh, and this isn't anything against Tottenham, but I think it would have been a more alluring in terms of going to a Champions League final uh, against Ajax and be the same, like you know, just hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of people all from neighbouring cities in the northwest of England descending upon <laughs> Paris for a game that's already been played three times this season is not as good as playing uh, Real Madrid and who we've faced in two previous European Cup slash Champions League finals in the past. So, uh, so yeah, so I kind of hope that happens. But I don't like saying that because that assumes a kind of arrogant assumption that Liverpool are just going to breeze through the second leg and I know that you know it, it really was men against boys the other night but strange things happen in football I remember three years ago you know I would have been sitting here saying Liverpool are out 100% out 3-0 down to Barcelona um, we're, we're screwed and then the most miraculous and best match attending moment of my life uh, happened uh, a week later so you know strange things can happen and Villarreal are not in a semi-final by accident. You know they're a quality, they're a quality side. They're very well organised, and they're they're going to have a, you know, I mean it is amazing when you actually think about what Villarreal have achieved, a, a, a town of that size. It's a real tiny place, kind of in I think in the Valencia region, just a little innocuous town known for making sort of ceramic 
dishes and stuff and and <laughs> and that has built a football team that have now been they because they got don't forget they got to the 2006 semi-final as well lost to Arsenal and were quite unlucky um I think from memory Lehman might have saved a penalty at some stage but yeah so they're you know fair 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 play to them and they were they in Liverpool on Wednesday afternoon their fans were everywhere all completely decked out in yellow they had taken over all of the big sort of squares and um sort of assembly areas in the city and they were absolutely brilliant like uh the atmosphere and the sort of friendliness and you know oh it's it was brilliant contrast that of course with the fact that west ham fans last night as we were discussing before decided <laughs> to just ambush a couple of german commentators <laughs> well they did didn't no. they no well allegedly allegedly yeah <laughs> well yeah, some German commentators were... I mean, it was recorded live on air. On yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we still have to say allegedly. Yeah. Good old, good old West Ham. Uh, you know, really really honouring themselves and uh, uh, showing why they've got such a great, great reputation. Um, and the thing was after it, uh, West Ham scored, wasn't it? Yeah. So it I, seemed like a strange time to beat up. No, no, I can relate. I can actually relate to this because, right, so in 1996, uh, September 1996, I went to uh, West Ham, Liverpool, and I, uh, I was 15, so I, I couldn't get a ticket in the away end. So I bought a ticket in the uh, Bobby Moore Upper, uh, which is a, uh, you know, it was West Ham end, um, and. Uh, I, being a you know a fifteen year old, I was there with a, a mutual friend of ours named uh, Russell, and um, uh, being a sort of you know fearless cocky fifteen year old, I had uh, a Liverpool shirt on, and uh, and and when uh, Stan Collymore scored for us kind of early in the game, I was you know quite uh, vociferous in my celebration, and the West Ham fans around me kind of didn't react. But the second that they equalised, Slavan Bilic equalised, I was getting like these big, like imposing, fully grown East End men, like skinheads, come up to me, put, doing the whole rubbing their knuckle on your head thing, going, ah, <laughs> ah, scarce, ah, you're not fucking saying to me now, are you? So I, it will be exactly that. It will be, um, you know, they've gone behind. The Ger- maybe the, these, maybe they these heard- German commentators. Yeah, they're getting a bit excited. Yeah, how dare they? Getting a bit loud. Yeah, they're getting a bit larry. How dare they? Look, look at this. Listen to them talking their German. How dare they? Where do they think they are? Yeah, this is West Ham. Yeah, goading them. Yeah, are they goading us? They're taking a piss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, hold me back, Mike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't worry, Bob. We'll get them later. But uh, yeah, so then as soon as they equalised, that instinct, I reckon, I mean, I don't know, but I would just suggest, in. yeah, just kicked in and just, ah, unlucky, unlucky fricks, yeah. yeah. That, that would have been it. Um, but yeah, j- yeah, just for the record, by the way, Michael Thomas in the game in 1996 then scored a, a second half winner and we won 2-1. Um <laughs> Just, 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 just for the completest. Some sort of justice did prevail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so who was, you know, so who was laughing? Uh, Ultimately, needless to say, I had the last laugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent stuff. Well, good. Okay. Well, that's probably all we've got to talk about uh, today. Um, So, over the next couple of weeks. We might not be able to do. Uh, uh, we might have to have another uh, break in a couple of weeks. Cause no, Matthew, we'll do next week. We'll do. We'll next do next week. week. But after that, Matt uh, and his uh, partner, long-suffering <laughs> don't, don't partner. Don't say. Yeah, yeah. Don't say. All right, they're having wait. a bit of time off. 
They're having a bit of time <laughs> off. And he's, okay. by saying don't say, he's made it sound like something bad. It's not. It's something really good. But they're, they're embarking upon a, a challenge, which I'm assuming yeah. Matt won't want to talk about unless they complete the challenge. So we won't, yeah, that's it. I've hit the, I've hit the jackpot. Spot so on. I won't go into what the challenge is, but all I will say is I'm just, I'm just praying for them. <laughs> and on that on that uh, um, a cliffhanger bombshell it's time to say goodbye for this week enjoy I hope you enjoyed this 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 shit episode and the return of our great podcast and we will see you next time on Football Unfocused goodbye